0: Okay. Let's begin with prayer. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight. We pray that you would as we we think every time we gather here. We pray that every activity is going on, everything's being taught, and all the hearts young and old would receive light and instruction in the way of righteousness. Guide us, we pray, um, tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 I thought we could get done with Mormonism in two classes, but I don't think we can. Um, We'll do our best tonight, but I want to start in on doctrine. We've already looked at their history. Um, There are holes in what I taught. But it's pretty convoluted, so you, it you get down in the weeds. But when you look at doctrine, we want we want to get obviously to that. But before we get to that, we have to look at what to the Mormon Church um, are their sources of doctrine, sources of authority. Um, we have we have scripture. Um, the Word of God, Old and New Testament and we consider that the authoritative Word of God, it is as we say the <clears throat> final word on faith and conduct, what we believe and what our ethics, our behavior is. The Mormons have the same thing. they it's It's false, but they have their, if you want to call it, sacred books. Just like Hindus or whoever else have their sacred books. The Mormons, and I think I mentioned it earlier, but the Mormons have um, four, well really five, but four sources of, um, of authority. One is the Book of Mormon. Two is a book called Doctrine and Covenants. Three is a book called Pearl of Great Price. Um, the fourth is the Bible, primarily King James Version, where it's accurately translated. Okay? Um, mean, which, which, which means they don't pay any regard to it, okay? Wherever the Book of Mormon, the, their, their books and their beliefs contradict Scripture, they pay no attention to it. So it's just fake, and it's designed to um, seduce gullible Christians that are too nice, um, that, oh, they're, well, they may not believe everything, but they're, you know, they're good people. No, they aren't. Is that bad to say that? <laughs> yeah. So, so they do they do have uh
1: their holy bible is really according to Joseph Smith. 'Cause Cuz uh, we had we were going to a Lutheran church when we live in St. George, Utah. And there's uh there
0: they would read the Bible together, the kids in yeah. you know, one, one through six one through four something like that. But anyway he said, hey, my thing does my my Bible doesn't say the same thing your Bible says. Yeah. yeah they there have been also they're really free with the bible as far as tinkering with it there's also okay. somewhere somewhere in the realm of 9000 alterations have been made to the book of mormon alone okay so they tinker with it um and they will look at other <laughs> okay. Now, the book more. What? Love you. Oh, okay. We've dealt with him before. (laughs) Okay, Um, Now, for instance, I believe um, the Book of Mormon doesn't say too much about polygamy. Doctrine and covenants is the main advocate of polygamy. Um, The Book of Mormon itself, this is a quote, polygamy is an abomination to God in the Book of Mormon. So the doctrine, doctrine and covenants, has to. What, what do we do? Well, we change it, um, and so they alter it and do whatever they need to do. Um, <clears throat> the, if you want to say a fifth source, is the continued revelations to the either the quorum of the Apostles which is 12 that are leaders or the the president or the prophet of the church um, they can receive special revelations from God and those are considered truth and sometimes those are contradictory um, so they, they get revelations when they need them. Okay? And one fast illustration I'm going to get ahead of myself. This is hard. to. This, frankly, you know, this, there is so much material um, that is all over the map that it is really hard to keep track of. But, um, well, I'll, I'll give you two just major revelations that the Lord made. When the army was well on its way towards the borders of Utah, okay? Um, and there was sentiment to wipe them out and not let them become a state. They got a vision. Um, the president got a vision that polygamy was to be no more, okay? Just in the nick of time. I tell you that God, he's something else. And then, in I remember this because I was in seminary. Bob Jones University, back in I was in North or South Carolina, they they got in trouble because they would not um, allow blacks to even enroll, Um, and so Carter was the president. The IRS was then pressuring the Mormons and the um, Bob Jones University. That they'd lose their tax-exempt status if they didn't, if they didn't quit uh, discriminating against blacks, okay? Um, and I think the Bob Jones case was lost first and then they turned their guns on to Brigham Young and the Mormon church. Um, and so they called the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles and they went into what they call in the temple in Salt Lake City, the upper room. Same term for where Jesus ate the Last Supper. They, they collected in the upper room and they prayed. No one knows how long. They just prayed and prayed and didn't leave there and just prayed through until they got a revelation that blacks suddenly, um, they could be members. They could um, get baptized. They could have both... Aaronic, Aaron and Melchizedek priesthood um, and they could even go into the temple and again I tell you that God he is something else he always comes through just when you need him and so the IRS left backed off and left him alone now the Mormons are just vociferous in books in you know writings and so forth denying that that, that The pressure from the Carter administration and the IRS had anything to do with their shift um, on blacks being in the church. Um, I am getting ahead of myself here, but see, you know what the mark of Cain was who murdered Abel? Black skin. So the blacks are the uh, descendants of Cain. Now that's in their writings that God gave them. So I don't know exactly how you work that out, that God changed his mind. At any rate, I've gotten ahead of myself already. Um, Here's what we need to back up and remember. It's important to know the fundamental purpose of these writings. First of all, the Book of Mormon um, basically presents a the belief that the attention of God with Israel and even in Palestine with the coming of the Lord Jesus, resurrection, and so forth, was a focus on the Eastern Hemisphere. And the poor souls in the Western Hemisphere were left without any knowledge of Jesus. So in A.D. 34, assuming that Jesus was crucified and rose and ascended heaven in heaven in A.D. 33, which we know now according to the Roman calendar was never A.D. 33. It's probably 29. And Jesus was probably born in 4 B.C., Okay, just because of discrepancies with the calendar and changes that were made um, up in the seventh, fifth, or sixth century uh, alterations to the Roman calendar. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so Jesus visited the New World, or you know, the Western Hemisphere, particularly North and South America, North Central and South America. Okay, now. So the Book of Mormon purports to give history, um, and this is the history. There were two massive civilizations at different times in North, Central, and South America. Okay? The first one took place, um, and they know the exact date. Well, they don't, I don't think they know the month and the day, but the year was 2250 B.C., Okay? Now that is when God confused the languages at the Tower of Babel according to their calendar. Okay? Well, there was a guy there um, by the name of Lehi. Okay? He was at the Tower of Babel. I don't know, you know, if he was a hod carrier, or a bricklayer, or you know what he was. But he was working along there. Um, and <coughs> not aware that God was unhappy that they were building the the tower. But at any rate um, Lehi still spoke the language of Adam the original language mankind had. Okay, So he either was tipped off, I'm not sure what the details are, but he took off from the Tower of Babel. And so he, when the, the, you know, confusing of the languages, and they escaped in time to retain Adam's language. Okay? Now, here's what they did. They made eight special barges. They had glass windows in them. 2250 BC. Um, anyway they had glass windows in them and the, this is a, it's a murky description but they made eight barges for the family of Lehi and his children and extended family and these barges were covered and um, because they were going to m- go in the ocean and they ended up shipping out from probably it would have to have been the Persian Gulf because the Tower of Babel was in, you know, where Babylon is. And so anyway, however they got out there, they went across the Atlantic Ocean and they landed on the um, western or the eastern side of Central America. Don't know exactly where, okay? On the way, the air in the, you know, the breathing and so forth, the, you know, the, the, the air in the barges you know, got stale with all these people. And so they drilled holes in the ceiling. Well, they drilled holes both top. Are you ready? And bottom of the barges to let in fresh air. I'm not making this up. (laughs) Okay, I'm not making it up. They drilled holes in the bottom of the barge. So that fresh air could get in. Okay? They landed someplace in Central, um, Central America. Now, um, I got to do my best to keep all this um, straight here. Um, Lehi, um, well, Lehi was the dad. And, <coughs> um, Let's see here. Well, there's a couple other people. <laughs> I don't know how much of this to even give you. There's another guy named Ether, okay? By the way, um, Ether, I discovered, I didn't know this before, but having reread all kinds of stuff, Ether also wrote 24 golden tablets, clear in the 2000s B.C. That's different from the golden tablets that Mormon wrote um in 428 a.d okay so you you know you got to keep all this straight anyway um the people that landed here um the people that landed you know what uh, and i've I flipped my stories here, their stories. It's not Lehi. Lehi is the second civilization. It's the Jaredites, okay? It was Jared. Jared made the barges. Jared left Babylon uh, or Tower of Babel. So they got here. They landed there, and they made an extensive civilization that, ex- that spread from the tip of South America clear up through North, you know, Canada, Okay? Millions and millions and millions of people lived there. They had cows and this, and, and I I don't have time to read it, but I've got it got it here. They had cows, swine, um, sheep, goats, um, you know, all kinds of fowls, chickens, you know, whatever else, um, run-of-the-mill livestock. Oh, and they had elephants. They raised elephants. Um, Okay? So this extensive, extensive civilization um, ended up warring against one another, and they ended up basically um, exterminating each other that civilization died out through warfare and so forth. And Ether survived long enough to write some of the history, and that gets into the Book of Mormon, okay? Um, Now, I don't know exactly, I can't remember when that society died clear out. So now, things are, nothing's going on. In... Until 600 BC, okay, 600 BC, or actually like 589 BC, that is when the Babylonians were marshaling to take over Judea, and that's an accurate calendar. Um, take over Jerusalem and and carry everybody off into Babylonian captivity, okay. There's a guy then, Lehi, and his son, Nephi. Okay? Um, Nephi prophesied and preached um, against the Jews in Jerusalem, in Israel, just leading up to the Babylonian attack that they should turn back to God. And so the people of Israel drove them out, got rid of them. Well, they... I guess they just took normal ships, as far as I know, and they took off into the Mediterranean Sea, and in around 600 AD or BC, they left, went out through the Mediterranean, went all the way down, went all the way around uh, the you know Cape Horn of South America. Okay, which just reminds me, I've read an obscure book I just finished like a week ago um, of an English armada who, th- that tried. 150 or 200 years after Magellan tried going around the Cape of South Africa, lost most of their ships, started out with 2,000 men total, I forget how many ships, ended up 225 were left. Okay. Um, that's, a, that's considered the graveyard of the earth, uh, that seas. But Lehi and his boy Nephi made it. Um, and so, well, they had another, he had another son. Laman, L-A-M-A-N, okay? So you've got to remember this. Lehi and his two boys, Nehi and Laman, 600 B.C. They go all the way around and come up far enough that they land on the coast of what now is Chile. They went ahead and did the same thing. They established another civilization that spread all the way up North America, South America, Central America millions of people, great cities, stretching as far as the eye could see. Um, Same kind of thing, all kinds of animals and, you know, whatever. Um, And so they, the Nehi, Nehi and Laman, I don't know what, I suppose Lehi died. Um, But anyway, Nephi and Laman, they served God for a while. And I'm not sure whether it was A.D., you know, B.C. But anyway, the Nephites and the Lamanites, these two families of the two sons of Lehi, were bickering in, at each other, and the Lamanites, or Lamanites, began to drift away from walk, walking with God, but the Nevi, Nehi, they hung in there, okay? Now, in... AD 34 Nehi, or the Nephites and the Lamanites are still here getting along a while some of them walking with God then they fight and whatever well Jesus showed up and he repeated the Sermon on the Mount here in the New World I don't know how long he was here he wasn't here very long but he introduced the gospel and explained it to everybody and then um <clears throat> then he left well a lot of people bought into the gospel and so forth and so for 200 at least years so that gets you into say 250 AD the Lamanites and the, and the Nephites pretty well got along and they sort of followed God or whatever well then the Lamanites um, and the Nephites began to war against each other in earnest um, Warfare uh, sprung up, and it culminated in a massive battle. In, at the hill uh, Cumora, I think is the proper um, pronunciation. It's in New York, okay? So at the hill Cumora, they had this massive final fight to the death. The Nephites got beat, the good people, the people of the Lord got beat. The Lamanites, um, they defeated the Nephites, <clears throat> okay? All the Nephites were killed except, I don't know how long, Moroni, um, the son of Mormon, who was a prophet angel sort of a guy everybody with me Um, Moroni was the last guy of the Nephites so Moroni as you see you know the last guys coming and they've got their bows and their arrows and their spears What do you do in a case like that? Well, you get at least 24 or more golden tablets and you scribble on it what becomes the Book of Mormon. You put it in a stone box with the giant spectacles, um, you know, each spectacles big enough to look through one, one of them, which will help the future Joseph Smith translate the golden tablets. You scribble all this down, you bury it in a stone box in a hill near Palmyra, New York, which is where this hill was supposed to be at. And then, if you're Moroni, I don't know, he was the last guy standing, so he, you know, the Alamo, he bought the farm, okay. Um, And so then, okay, that's, that happened in 428, okay, 428 AD. Well, 1400 roughly years later, then Moroni showed up and uh, uh, appeared to Joseph Smith in the night um, and told him about these golden tablets. And he kind of he dribbled it out little bits at a time because it took a total of about three years before he finally told him. He told him about the tablets, did to tell him where they were at. Um, then he finally told him where they were at, and so Joseph Smith goes and digs them up, and that's in about 1825, f- 67, somewhere in there. It okay. takes him three years to translate it, and he publishes it in 1830. Now, so the Book of Mormon, then, is the story of these two massive civilizations. Okay, And the last thing we need to remember, and um, this is nutty enough that that again, you might think, well, you know, I'm being too hard or being too caustic or sarcastic. I don't think you can be, okay? Um, The Lamanites were punished by God, who, we'll get to this, used to be Adam, okay? The Lamanites were punished for wiping out the Nephites by God turning them into Indians, Okay? i not making this up. Um, both the Lamanites and then the earlier, the descendants of Cain, the curse was dark skin. Okay? Um, so that at least explains, it explains the black race um, as descendants of Cain, and it explains how the American Indians got here. Okay? Okay? Um, Now, let me um, move on a little bit. Um, I've already told you about when Joseph Smith dug it up and so forth. Um, That's the Book of Mormon. Quickly, much quicker, because the other books are much smaller. Doctrine and Covenants um, contains revelations from Joseph Smith and Brigham Young. Okay, so they're, they're, now you're beyond just Joseph Smith, Brigham Young. There were quite a few doctrines in there, doctrine of God, doctrine of man, resurrection, afterlife, end times, so forth. Um, here's some of the special doctrines that are mentioned in uh, Doctrine and Covenants that are not really referred to in, in other places. Um, baptism for the dead. Now, baptism for the dead means you get... What does God do? It wasn't until 1823, I believe, that he told Joseph Smith, quote, every creed and church in existence now is an abomination to the Lord. So the only church he's trying to revive and make a pure church, that's the Latter-day Saints. Okay? What do you do with the Latter-day Saints not becoming a church until literally 1829? What do you do with the poor souls that lived and died from, you know, going back to wherever? Well, there's a way to save them. Um, That is why today the Mormons are, I think, probably far and away, number one, in obsessing over genealogy. Because if you can methodically go through genealogy and get baptized by proxy for all the people that lived before, they're dead now, and I'll tell you later that which one of the three heavens they're in. But um, they—they are—you're you're able to save them by uh, being baptized. You can be baptized. I don't know, fifteen thousand times. If you want, you can say fifteen thousand people. If you got their names, um, it's not been very many years ago. I think it's been five, maybe. The ADL, Anti-Defamation League, you know, the Jews, Jewish organization, they sued the Mormon Church for rummaging through Jewish um, genealogy charts and baptizing Jews. Now, I wouldn't have wasted the money on it. I mean, the whole thing is a complete idiotic, drooling, stupid fantasy. Why bother with it? It, There's nothing to it. But it bugged them, and so they sued the Mormons to quit doing it. There's no way in the world they could have made them do it, so I'm assuming they're still doing it. But this is how you can save, and really, you can make the whole of history Mormons, okay? Um, That doctrine is in uh, doctrines and covenants, that teaching. Celestial marriage is another one. One of the underpinning doctrines of the whole thing of the Mormon church is the doctrine, um, another doctrine that is not Christian, um, it is heathen in some cases, a few people believe it, pre-existence of souls, okay? The belief is um, that people who have died are still married. They're, they're in heaven now or somewhere. Well, some of them are in hell, but they're going to get out. Um, so there are people in heaven now, and they are spiritually married to multiple wives, so there's polygamy in heaven, and they are, they are producing um, children, but spirit children, okay, and if you buy into that, you can see why, a couple things, one, you can see why they have such a um, fetish about... Um, Celestial marriage, and and um, I'll get to some of that in a minute. But um, they are also all of these souls in heaven have nowhere to go on Earth. So that's why you have to have literal polygamy here. I mean, it's a it's a. Most of it, most of Mormonism is just insane. But there's a couple little, every once in a while, a couple, three doctrines are linked to each other and they kind of, you know, they're logically why you have to have this doctrine since you got that doctrine. You have the, di- the doctrine of preexistence of souls, then you've got to have polygamy on earth to be able to produce enough bodies, physical bodies for these spirit uh, children that are constantly being born with the polygamous people in heaven, um, they got to have bodies to come to. so that's why you need polygamy here. okay? Um, the idea then too was um, that you are um, you're married forever um, if you are wed in a temple in, you know by a certified you know whatever then you are sealed your marriage is sealed um, for eternity Um, and you know we can just simply look around and think uh, i mean jesus said there isn't any marriage in heaven i mean he just said that okay that blows that doctrine out you should just erase it and go on with life okay um, but again, Joseph Smith was a creepy sex fiend. Just lay it out to you. He was a he was a pedophile. Okay, um, and so it makes sense that this continual multiple wives and all this kind of stuff is is a cornerstone doctrine um, of their whole of their whole system. Okay. Um, Let's see here. So, celestial marriage, baptism for the dead, polygamy shows up in the book Doctrines and Covenant. Then the book uh, Pearl of Great Price. It has in it the book of Abraham. Now Abraham wrote this book. uh, (laughs) Abraham wrote this book (coughs) when he was in Egypt. Remember when he went down to Egypt for a short time with Sarah. Pharaoh took Sarah, wanted to marry her and all that. Well during this time, Abraham wrote a book. It's called the Book of Abraham. Okay? That's in the Pearl of Great Price. Um, and it tells how things began on um, the star Kolob. Am I pronoun- anybody know if I'm pronouncing that correctly? It's really important. Um, K-O-L-O-B, okay? On the star Kolob is where I think things began, okay? Um, But, (laughs) who knows? Um, But at any rate, um, the star then, or the planet, whatever you want to call it, of Kolob um, is where people were first came into being okay now but here's the wackiness Um, they believe in they also are they are um, polytheistic mormonism they deny the trinity but they speak everywhere of gods okay there are gods um, that came into being as a result i think uh, adam came into the garden, but the garden was already created. The fall was predetermined by the gods. Okay? The council of the gods decided that they would make Adam. And it says, quote, Adam came into the Garden of Eden with Eve, one of his celestial wives. Okay? Um, now, here's the murky mess that I can think I can explain somehow there were evil people even in heaven in these new created people some of them weren't nice and others were good okay the, up in up in heaven there was some there were some evil people they were sent to earth and some of them also were cursed with being sent into colored skin colored bodies Okay. Now, when God has said all this, it repeatedly, you really have to have quite a revelation to back all this up, you know, get out of it so you don't lose your tax-exempt status. Okay? Um, but at any rate, um, <clears throat> Earth was created... As a place for these kind of drifting bad people that are in heaven, children, spirit children, of all these polygamous gods, people who made work them well, work themselves up to be in God. Okay, um, they needed a place to discipline them. The gods needed a place for these spirit children to be tested and to be punished a bit, but to be um, trained how to themselves work their way up to being God, gods. Okay? I know everybody is right with me. So earth was sort of a training ground, a bit of a punishment. It's kind of a timeout for the people in heaven to send the people who weren't acting too good. To this place okay but they're expected all those here now you have this assembly line going of spirit children coming from heaven down here and polygamists here producing all kinds of physical bodies for them to have a place to go um, the process that is supposed to take place okay is every single human is to work their way up to being a god and here's their this is a brigham young quote um, from pearl of great price and i got to make sure i get this right as man is us right now as man is god once was now god is adam but he's now god He worked his way up to being God. As man is, God once was. As God is, man may become. Okay? So we are all working our way up to being our own gods. Okay? Adam worked his way up to becoming God the Father. And somehow, I don't know if it was his spirit, well, yeah, it had to have been his spirit children, Um, Jesus and Lucifer and they were both in heaven and because of this drifting away from truth in heaven and they were sent to earth to kind of work it out um, they needed a savior and so God the Father who used to be Adam chose Jesus to be the savior instead of Lucifer and so that made Lucifer mad that's why he became the devil because he was jealous that Jesus got chosen to come to earth to be the redeemer Okay? All this makes perfect sense. Okay? Um, Now, let's see here. Let me see if I can jump a little bit. Um, Well, here's just a few. In addition to those, those doctrines, we will get into the doctrine of God, the doctrine of the virgin birth of Jesus, who Jesus is, um, and, you know, some basic, basic doctrines, which we may, maybe we can get into a few of them here. Um, now, couple other, just a couple little things. Um, the offspring of Adam, um, based on their preexistence behavior before they came into the earth, based on their pre-existent behavior um, where it came in either as, as I said, white or colored, okay. Um, I, something else I learned, I didn't realize this, but the the Garden of Eden, anybody here from Missouri? <laughs> well, the Garden of Eden was in Missouri. I always thought it was in Mesopotamia, um, the Fertile Crescent, but. Uh, it was in Missouri. And actually, um, so what happened was when the flood came, the, the ark was built in Missouri. You didn't know that, did you? Okay? You're, I'm just able, I can't tell you how much it feels good to just give you, you know. With a straight face, yeah, the, the ark was built in Missouri. And when the flood came, it floated all the way over to Mount Ararat, okay? Um, so civilization, you know, this is way back before the Lamanites and the Nephites and all these people. Um, that's, where, that's how the ark got all the way over there. It drifted all the way from Missouri, okay? Now, um, <clears throat> let's see here. Let's look at a couple of, you know, what we would say are just um, important doctrines. Um, <clears throat> we've looked at, you know, the purposes of their, these are their authorities, these books, and the continued revelations to their, their prophets, the president. I don't know who the guy is now. One of the requirements, I think, for... Um, being president or the prophet is you have to be at least 117 or 18 years old when you start okay they've never had anybody that isn't in their 90s um you go back into probably one of the highest guys they ever had also in the government was in 1980 was ezra taft benson who was a treasurer of the U.S. Treasury. And he, was, he became um, one of the, he became, I think, one of the quorum of the 12, or maybe became the prophet, I don't know. There was a guy named Kimball who was there forever. Um, and I can't remember who's the president now. But he's also, I'm pretty sure he's in his 90s. Um, you know, but as long as you're receiving messages from God all the time, you know, you, I guess you hang around. Um, the Mormon doctrine of God, I've somewhat explained that already. Our concept in the biblical, of course, is an eternal God. Um, eternally existent in three persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who are yet one god we don't worship three gods eternally existent three persons father son holy spirit they are co-eternal co-essential meaning equally deity and co-equal as far as even though there is um, a hint at a hierarchy within the three they're they're equal okay Um, that is orthodox christianity The Joseph Smith speaks about, um, and I could read it here, but I don't need to. A quote: "Crazy three-headed God, Um, three people," he said, "crammed into one God." Okay, so at best they believe in three gods, but then of course all the people that worked their way up themselves to become a god makes them polytheistic. They're many many gods, okay? Um, as I said, God the Father used to be Adam. You can't forget that. Okay, so he worked his way all the way up to being God. Now, when it came time for Jesus to come into the world, they I have, there are some quotes here that both Brigham Young, Joseph Smith, and others, subsequent people, make this claim. They're, that there in no way was Jesus begotten by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so they deny the virgin birth. Adam, who got him worked himself up to be, being God, came to earth and had physical relations with Mary. And that's where Jesus came from. Okay, so they don't believe in the virgin birth. Um, one of the things that they've, um, not to get off the subject, but in the last probably 30, 40 years, they have done a bang-up job of presenting themselves as, oh, we're Christians just like you. We believe the same things. The Lord Jesus is our Savior. Um, They are miserable liars. Okay? Um, There isn't a word of truth in their doctrines. Now, if, if, if there's any saving grace here, it's a lot of Mormons don't know what they're supposed to believe. They don't know the idiocy um, that they're supposed to believe. But here's where I lose a bit of sympathy. There's either a Holy Spirit who is faithful or there isn't there's a holy spirit who said he will convince the whole world of truth and righteousness okay now he's that's either a lie and he does not function in his office that he was sent to the world to carry out or he bears witness to every person's conscience about the truth It doesn't mean that he appears to them and writes out a theology for them. But there is that sense of apprehension, that sense of warning, that sense of don't don't get involved in this. A good shepherd doesn't let his sheep, and in this case I'm speaking of sheep as the people of the world, he doesn't let them wander off and eat loco weed that will kill them. He's a failed shepherd if he does that. God is faithful. And even if there's not specificity, you'll have a sense. If the Mormons are um, knocking on the door or a Mormon friend tries to get you to listen to their spiel, um, the Holy Spirit will warn you. So the idea that people can stand a judgment day and say, you know, yeah, I believed Adam was, you know, Adam uh, worked his way up to being God, and Jesus is the product of Adam and Mary um, having marital relations, and I don't, I, I don't buy it. Or we got a problem with the faithfulness of the Holy Spirit, and He's out for truth. So somehow He'll warn us if we listen. Okay, now. Um, so Jesus is the product of Mary and and uh, Adam. Um, now the Holy Spirit I'm making none of this up. The Holy Spirit is fluid. Yes, that's what I said. The Holy Spirit is a fluid. And this Holy Spirit fluid is what filled Jesus and gave him the deity, the power to um, perform miracles and, you know, r- r- raise from the dead and all of that, okay? He is a number of times referred to as a fluid, okay? Um, this is nuts. Um, but at any rate, so just remember that, that I don't know really um, and they they do believe that they the I don't know who they are the higher ups they lay hands on people and they receive the Holy Spirit this fluid um, which I I don't really get all that okay um, <clears throat> now of course they deny the Trinity outright they they don't have anything to do with the doctrine um, of the Trinity. Uh, the blood of Jesus cleanses from some sins. Okay? There are some sins, according to Brigham Young, that are bad enough that, on, that the only um, atonement is by the blood of the sinner. Okay? Run-of-the-mill stuff, I guess Jesus can forgive. But if you do something bad enough, then you have to die for it, and that your blood being shed will allow for forgiveness of whatever it was you did. Another doctrine that the Mormons teach is called universalism. Universalism is that eventually all people will be saved. Okay? Um, they believe in a hell but it's sort of a temporary holding place um, and people can... Um, people will, will even be able to get out of there um, and make it to heaven, okay? Now, um, let's see. Let's look at, we've, so we looked at God and the virgin Birth and the Trinity and so forth, their views on that. How are you saved? What's the doctrine of salvation in the Mormon church? That's critical. It's critical for us. Critical in Scripture. Um, you're saved by faith in Christ. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Trust in the Lord, sa- Jesus our Savior. Yeah, but it's their Christ. It's their description of Jesus, who is not virgin-born, who um, is the brother of Lucifer, and himself has worked his way up to being a god. Okay, So, this is why I think that the Mormons are one of the most pernicious outfits because of the fact that they insist on using what you would call orthodox Christian um, terminology, but they do not mean they don't mean what we mean. And they know that. They are perfectly aware that when they talk about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they know good and well that they don't mean what the Scripture describes as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But they are deceitful. And so they'll use um, they'll use biblical um, terms. By the way, I don't think you knew this, but here's another little nugget. How many wives did Jesus have? You know Jesus was married. Yeah, Jesus was married to both Mary and Martha, the two sisters, and to the other Mary, Magdalene. Okay, so Jesus was a polygamist. He had three wives and had children. Okay? Um Anyway, now, you have to have faith in Christ. You have to be baptized by immersion after some um, teaching and stuff. Of course, in the Mormon church. Um, So you're saved by faith in Christ. um, Baptism in the Mormon church. And this is a quote. And all we can do ourselves to be good in addition to God's Christ's forgiveness. Okay? So in other words, it is a doctrine, m- uh, much of good works, of you know, checking the boxes and uh, living what they would consider to be a, an, an ethical life. So it's works salvation, essentially. Um, let's see and we can ask this regarding the doctrine of salvation what are we saved from the scripture of course teaches we're saved from sin which is rebellion against God um, which will sever us from God so it's desperate that we have a plan of salvation and that we participate in it Um, the Mormons, when we would say save from what, um, <clears throat> they, once you're baptized and so forth, then you enter into a lifelong, um, and I think it goes beyond physical life, process of getting better and better and better and becoming your own little g-g you you become a God, okay? <clears throat> um, now, we'll get through a few more things. We'll never finish tonight, but at least I think we can make it next week, finish next week. Um, here's a quirky doctrine that um, came, I believe it came from Brigham Young, but again, whether it came from Joseph Smith or not, Brigham Young is inspired and all the subsequent presidents and apostles quorum are inspired. Um, For some reason, you can't be saved at the last moment um, before death if you've committed really bad stuff. Okay? So never mind the thief on the cross um, to whom Jesus said today you'll be with me in paradise. Um, That... That's off the table. Um, And Brigham Young also added a doctrine that was a major, major change. You don't become a God, or he used the term a son of God. You don't become a child of God. You continue to be a child of God. So you're really a child of God all your life. Yes, you rebel, there's sins, you need a Savior, you know, our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, And you have to be baptized and you have to do all this. But all of this, in a sense, you could say is unnecessary. Because you're already a child of God. You just, by doing all these things, including baptism, whatever else, you continue to be a son of God. Okay? Okay. Let's see here. <clears throat> you, I mentioned universal or universalism. Um, everybody eventual, eventually will come around and be saved. Marriage will endure, endure in eternity, so it's necessary to seal, quote, marriages um, and to be baptized and hands laid on for receiving the Holy Spirit. Uh, you can also receive the Holy Spirit by proxy, apparently, Not only be baptized, but you can, so there's another thing, you can dig through genealogy and get, you know, baptized with the Holy Spirit by, for, who knows, okay? You can do that your whole life, I guess. Um, Anyway, now, any questions so far? Yeah, Dan. Dan. There's so much stuff in here that, in the previous page, I forgot that. There's not a bit of archaeological evidence, not one bit, not one bit at all anywhere of these massive civilizations, two of them, that spread from the tip of South America. By the way, this is a murky deal too. But the saints of God, some kind of saints of God, I don't know who, I, I'm not really, it, it gets into end times which is our next doctrine. But they're kept in the polar regions. I don't know what that means. But they're in the polar regions which maybe last week we were, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, when DNA testing first came out and the whole genome, yeah. the human genome was sequenced, uh, they, they're with genealogy of Thing they wanted to do was go and DNA test American Indians. Yeah. So there's a book that came, there's a movie that came out called DNA versus the Book of Mormon, and they go do this, and all these Mormons go make these tests, and they find out that they're basically from Asia, that they, yeah, the Indians came over from Alaska and then, yeah, and so there's not a hint of Jew in them at all. Yeah. Yeah, they're into, there, there's another cult called British Israelism or Anglo-Israelism. But they, the Mormons throw in a bit of that too. That they believe that the um, inhabitants here, the American, the Native Americans, were the lost tribes of Israel. But that means that the Indians are Semites. But they're not. They're Mongols. They're from probably came over land bridge, you know, and emigrated here. They are clearly not Semitic. But they would have to be Semitic if they were Lamanites who came over on the barge that was hole drilled in it um, uh, to populate the whole nation or whole continents. So not only is there no archaeological, but there's absolutely no of genealogical evidence at all to support any of this purported history of the Americas. So in the end Dan here's what you have. The, here's another thing and I know there's I had a good friend all through high school he was a Mormon. Um, we got along you know we played baseball together and whatever so I'm not for you know finding Mormons and executing them okay. But Um, they run a tight ship. Um, And you play ball. Um, A good friend of mine who, in fact, in this building when we early got into it, preached here once. He was a superintendent out in the Pacific Conference, you know, Oregon, Washington. Got saved in my church in Oregon and got called to the ministry and was a superintendent over... 60 some churches he grew up in salt lake city his dad was a way up in the world in gates rubber company and it it, the the mormon um straight jacket bled clear down to little league and he was nine ten eleven somewhere in there he didn't get drafted ever for the Little League teams, because his dad was Presbyterian, and they went to the Presbyterian church. wasn't Mormon. I mean, it's down to Little League. You play ball, you're one of us. Remember Kennecott's? You know, some of you guys would know better than I do, but I, what was it, Kennecott, then Rio Tinto, and then Cloud Peak, and whatever. but I just remember people, guys in our church who were employees, you do your stint in Salt Lake, you play the ball, you know, if you're, there is a ceiling if you're, a, if you're not a Mormon. Boy Scouts. Boy Scouts is another one. That has become the official youth group of the Mormon church, um, is the Boy Scouts. So they, they, but they run a tight ship. And if you, there are Mormon historians who have unearthed, um, I was reading today, there was a, I, I can't remember, there's some guy named Spaulding, okay? And he wrote some sort of a, you know, fantasy novel that today people claim, um, and, and some Mormon archaeologists and Mormon historians have been kicked out for writing about it. But there is a novel that some guy wrote and published it in about 1823. And there's huge passages of that book, and I can't remember the name of it. Well, it was supposed to be how the, the something about the Hebrews in the New World. So um, anyway, there's massive chunks of that that are plagiarized word for word in the Book of Mormon. So there's there's a lot of evidence that, even though Joseph Smith had a fertile imagination, he plagiarized a lot of. There's 25,000 exact word verses out of the King James that are in the Book of Mormon. Not 25,000 verses is a lot. It's only a 600-page book to start with, um, so it's massive plagiarism in in his wacky imagination. Um, but you, you just plain remember when Howard Hughes died and that whole business of the Mormon, um, um, some will, you know, whatever, um, that the Mormons ended up supposedly for a while heir to um, Howard Hughes' fortune. Um, I don't know if you remember that or not, but it was a wacky deal. They found it out in the desert and all kinds of stuff. Um, But you do not cross... The, the Mormon hierarchy, um, if you want to stay in business, you know, if you want, unless you leave. So I think, Dan, it's, it's the, you know, it's intimidation and so forth, but I think it gets down to bare knuckles if you keep pushing it. Um, they'll excommunicate you and blacken your reputation, put you out of business, because they, they run Utah. So um, there's a price to pay if you m- start um, mucking around in the history. <laughs> Anything else? <clears throat> One thing, okay. uh, I've
1: met people that have become uh, we all have. And the reason that's easy
0: to do is because they didn't have any belief anywhere else. So that's why mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> We've been talking about the earthly side of Mormonism, but Satan, you were asking how someone could, they could develop all these people and make them believe, well, to a point, uh, God will definitely blind them, and mm-hmm. they won't hear the truth. It's, uh, I don't know, God shuts them out, because he shook the dust from his sandals, but... See it, they don't understand it whatsoever. Satan can do that, he can blind you, he can't create anything, he can't create anything, he's just a big mimic. And he has used places like the Mormons, other religions, and people by the millions have joined it. Why? Because it's easy,
0: it doesn't convict. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know the, the scriptures Ephesians talks about the eyes of their heart, you know, being darkened, um, their ears being dull, and it does, and it clearly says they are this is people who have sufficiently rejected light um, that they are taken captive. By his will. Romans uses that phrase. And Ephesians talks about the eyes of the heart being blinded. That they can't receive the truth. Now it's not God doing it to them. But it's in response to their rejection of light. And light. Spiritual light for all of us. Is terribly dangerous. We either walk in it. Or if we reject it we start heading the other direction. And I mean, we can get into depths where God has got to re, as it were, enlighten us and open our hearts and even help us pray. I can remember I was far enough away from God and all the light that I had um, at 20 or so. I couldn't pray and mean it. I, I had to ask God, I just begged God, I said, Lord, please convict my heart and help me to be able... I, I'm, I'm so hard-hearted that even what I know I ought to want and, and do want, I, I can't get there. Um, God has... The devil's nothing to mess with. And um, we, you know, we go in his ways and we get bound. <clears throat> so I think that that is... Um, a major part of the strange um in, uh, impenetrableness of the Mormon mind and heart. Well, God gave up, gave up in, in yeah. Yeah. does that mean damn, that okay, i I don't think so. Uh, now um I think God there are clearly people that God calls reprobates that have so shut out the light. But when I, st- when I started out in the pastorate, um, we're going to have to quit here in a second, but when I started out, of course, I knew pers- pretty much everything there was to know. And, you know, I preached to somebody and tried to invite them to church and they wouldn't do it, and I'd think, well, oh, I'd probably be a reprobate, you know. Uh, there, aren't, there aren't very, many reprobates because God just keeps talking, keeps talking, keeps talking, keeps talking, keeps talking. He's not willing that any perish. Um, there's, no, there's no way I think we can even measure the lengths God goes to to just keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. Um, but there are, I think I've met two. In 51 years of pastoring, I think I've met two. Um. They were old, uh, very old, very hard, just dark, hateful, wicked, hard hearted as can be. Um, and I don't even know if I was right about those two guys, but those are the only two I think I've met. Um, but um, I think in the. Paul does talk about the same passage where he talks about taking captive by the devil. He talks about. Um, that God could grant repentance, that they could recover themselves. I mean, they get out of it. So um, I think you got to really work hard and long and persistently for most of your life to get to the point of being truly rejected by God. Um, but it's nothing to trifle with, obviously. Okay, well, we better quit. We've got end times to finish up. And if you can, can kind of chill out and just wait till next Wednesday night to find out which planet you're going to be on. Okay? You've got to wait. I can't help it. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, um, we better pray and get out of here. Father in heaven, we thank you again for beneath all of this is the solid rock of the Scripture, the faithfulness of God to every heart, the light Jesus brought into this world that says lights every person who comes into the world. Thank you for the truth and the light that you've put in a book and shown it to us. Dismiss us with your grace and help. Keep us safe, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.